This week on Inside Marketing, I'll be joined by Nick Emery, the founding partner of Brand, the Brandtech Media Group and also former CEO of Mindshare Global. We'll talk about holding company structures, new operating models, and we'll also talk about some of the persistent problems that face media industries and the ad agency business generally. So it's going to be a good one. Join us as we talk all things media and marketing as I'm joined by Nick Emery only on this week's Inside Marketing. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to this week's Inside Marketing. As I said, I'm delighted to be joined by Nick Emery, who's the founding partner of Brandtech Media. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. How, Thank you for having me. How are you? How are you getting on? How's life? I know we're chatting off mic and you're not you're not feeling brilliant, but how's things going generally and how's business more importantly? Well, business is going well. It's kind of an exciting time to be in the business. Um, I'm okay, just a bit of kind of can COVID, so you might have a bit of a cough. So I'm sucking a sucking a sweet to make sure we get through without too many introductions. Well, but, uh, if we if the, we can edit stuff out or for authenticity, I did a podcast on authenticity the other day, and you know, be authentic. We can have coughs in this podcast. We're not precious. It's only the Irish Times. It doesn't matter. Grossing and professional. Um, right. Well, I know you're a busy man, so uh, we will crack on. Um, so. You've had a, I mean, you're a media man. Media is your passion. You've had a, you've had a, a, a great career. Um, you know, your background in Mindshare, setting up Mindshare, and you have a lot of insight in terms of media agencies and how they're structured. And let, let's talk about. Look, I know I'm Densoon. It's a holding company, and you're from the holding company world. So you can say whatever you want in this podcast. I don't have to agree or disagree. So, but you have a bit of an insight in terms of that old, let's call it the old structural, the, the, the structures of the holding companies and kind of the, the new structures, if you will. So what opportunity did you see when you decided to kind of leave that that holding company model and, you know, be a founding partner of Brad? Or what was you and Mr. Jones and um, became Brandtech Media. So what was it? What did you see? What attracted you to that? To that? What was And what's different about the new model versus, say, that kind of uh, the holding group model? And and how is your structure or what your proposition is in the market? How is it different? Or, or is it different as the same as the holding company model? Well, we saw a kind of gap in the market between the, the kind of slightly, well, I want to say laddish, but I don't want to be too pejorative, but the kind of mono approach of a performance agency and the whole codes. And I don't want to get into that whole code bashing, but I think there is a gap for something that's built around clients, that's full funnel, that's global, that puts some fun back into media. So it's everything from Marvel to the metaverse, you know, put some passion back into, into a business that we've kind of made a bit mundane and boring in, mm. in many ways. Um, and to build a kind of global talent agency for clients around a kind of automated spine. And we thought there's a, there's a gap there, but in terms of the question about, holding companies i think there are three i think there are three big structural things um i'm sure there'll be themes i guess we'll chat about for the next 40 minutes or so but the there's the creative and media putting that back mm -hmm. together which is kind of a thread that goes through all this i i, I think that's difficult structurally mm. for the whole company to do and therefore that was the opportunity to come and come and do that i think there's definitely two at least two languages that are spoken in media agencies and groups and that's the the people who understand platforms and people who understand brands or brand and however you want to summarize that and synthesizing that and putting that together is you know a huge opportunity and i think structurally again that's a challenge the third one which is probably in some ways the biggest one, but it's not talked about so much, probably because it's a bit arcane, you know, maybe you have to be in this world to, to see it, 
is, is I think the split between supply and demand, which is that I'm not sure any of the Holcos really believe in media agency brands. I understand why, because there has to be a kind of drive towards centralization and mm. why would you have one set of tools for one agency when you can develop it once for all four agencies and have the same back end? Yeah. Why would you have individual trading when you can have trading across, you know, amortized and that has to be a founding principle of all the groups? But that then leads you to a split between the people who activate and the people who plan, who might sit separately in separate P&Ls and separate companies, the people who service clients, and the people who develop products. Mm-hmm. And unless those are connected, unless there's accountability between those two, then you're slower to market, takes you longer to develop stuff, you're not as responsive, and you cut the cord between supply and demand, and then you cut the cord fundamentally in our business, which should be about client interest and driving solutions, and you become much more about self-interest and driving your own deals and your own products and your own dashboards that serve your own efficiency Mm. rather than necessarily what services clients. And I think that disconnect between supply and demand is the biggest opportunity as well about putting that together. your, Your analytics department group people should sit with your activation people, should sit with your content development people, not all be in separate groups and separate buildings, separate offices, separate reporting lines. Mm. And if you're a client person trying to bring all that together, listening to what client needs are in geographies or specialisms and saying, look, I need this developed, it can take forever. Mm. And am I, am I right? Is, is, your, is the structure of the, the Brandtech Media Group, is, is it one of growth by acquisition so do you acquire business in much the same way the whole companies you know like you would know from from mind sharing your group m days and and i know from dentsu that we we buy a lot of we buy a lot of small companies so is and, and we've we fully um acquire those those businesses is is yours the same model or do you have a kind of a hybrid ownership approach or, or kind of a partnership approach a more agile approach to partnerships with because a lot of companies in the group now there's a lot of different brands in the group um that you have so what's the what's the the structure of that the composition of that in terms of the ownership well the ownership varies by the groups that that are brought in but the overall structure is one of providing an integrated sale for clients where they want it i mean not all clients want that you know not all want an audience to activation approach someone in the individual specialisms that the operating companies deliver so you have to be able to flexible to do that you know uh, but i think behind your question is that is should we have to do we have to own everything do we have to control everything and then I don't think you do. I think you have to go back to the point about being, if it's around client interests, then what we believe is that you should have an open source to technology. You shouldn't necessarily try and sell your own technology. Mm. We shouldn't be trying to sell FTEs. We should be trying to sell solutions. You should sell the right talent and the right technology. So you have a more kind of you know, structure that's built around what clients want rather than selling what you want. And mm. the drive towards owning things 100% you know, it comes from a lot of different places. I mean, there's there's the kind of the vanity purchase. You know, let's go and buy something because it's going to address our image because we're not we see it as a bit slow and traditional. So we need to go and buy something to make us look good that you mm. then, you know, slowly assimilate and ruin and destroy and bring into the Borg. You know, mm. which is obviously the opposite of what of what we do. Um, and then there are the big acquisitions. You know, the kind of epsilons that you yeah. bring in. And then really, what you're saying to your people is just go and sell it. Be a sales force. Yeah go and sell this big thing because we've spent billions on it, so we need to make it work. And by the time you've structured it and done it and got the people to sell it, it's probably out of date, not really what clients want. So mm. I think there's also something behind it. No matter what you buy, you can't make 
you're, uh, you can't make yourself suddenly an inventive culture. You can't make yourself an inventive DNA. No, you're right, and yeah. difference between founder companies, and we're a founder-led company, and have, and David's fond of saying we have you know, multiple founders in the group. So it's yeah. founder, you know, it, the foundation is that. Um, but there's a fundamental difference between founders who drive change and want to see invention and want to service their clients and look for things that can service those clients and grow. Yeah. And manage your DNA, which really... You don't have to be first if you're a manager. You just have to spot the right trend and then scale it, yeah. which is what goes should really do. The challenge with that is that by the time they spotted it and scaled it, their clients are frustrated, want something new, and want them to buy something new. They then go and try and buy something new quickly. But then, you know, in order to justify the cost, they have to spread it across everything, and it becomes less inventive. Or the th- oh, yeah, or the th- or the thing that you've bought because somewhat, um, you know, just been. I, I suppose that the. It's just been molded and 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 changed into what it was. Because I know I've seen it. In, I've seen it in Dentsu through through the years where we, we've bought some fine businesses. Now they they tend to be small businesses, early days in the creative space. Um, glue, um, far far like Swedish kind of um, digital creative agency. We bought some fine companies, and that's just too. At one point, I think we'd like twenty nine brands in the UK which is far too many brands to navigate for anybody. So, but like back in the days, we buy companies, they're great. They tend to be, as you say, th- th- you know, th- they're a founder, the, the person behind is all, it's their ideology, they're, they're really what you're buying and, and the reason why they better. They're, they're very entrepreneurial by nature, just the fact of what, what they've done. And, and we buy those businesses, we have bought those businesses at times. And then, you know the the the, the founder is on an earn out. Uh, I don't I don't know what happens. I, I know why they sell to us because they're like, look at your small business. Look look how big that could be when you unlock the clients that are in the Dentsu group. And more often than not, it doesn't work out. And you fast forward a few years, that that founder has gone, been disillusioned because the culture that he joined wasn't the culture that he wanted. And quite often, these people got out of of big. Um, corporate machines because they wanted to do their own thing that's kind of taken away from them they rarely survive and move on within the group because they just get disenfranchised and leave um, and then that business becomes a shadow of itself so I I'm, I mean there's people who are you know far far more um, knowledgeable about this but I was from the outside in I said I don't know why we, we always have to buy everything why don't we just have more a joint venture approach to things or you know something where <laughs> where you can keep the, the 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 kind of heartbeat of that business. Do you think, like, I think what Accenture have done, keeping um, Droga and, and keeping Dave Droga involved, they've done a good job there, an accountancy firm effectively taking creative business on and, and leaving leaving them alone, leaving him because that he's the, the, the heartbeat of that business. So I've seen it in our place and it just, I just always strange, I thought it was very strange, our model that we have to own everything in Acquirer because it, it doesn't work more often than it does, as you say. Do you think that, Businesses like the, the holding companies who tend to operate them are we missing a trick? Do you think in in not having a more agile and open and partnership approach to who we work with, or even technology and platforms that we work with? Should we not be more partnership than ownership? Well, I think you have to have the right blend for clients. But mm-hmm. To do that, you have to have the right people leading businesses and leading accounts who can put together all those constituent parts that are right for a client. I mean, I, I think you're right. It's it's a kind of it's a dated and a slow model for the holding companies to acquire and scale. Now, our model is slightly different, which is we, look, we don't have with competing businesses. We look at things that disrupt the marketing landscape. We look at those, we invest in those, and we scale those. Um, but I think for the whole coast, 
unless you have an attitude, which is you want to kind of, I mean, we always used to say you had to destroy the company every 10 years and start again, you know, because governments, you know, companies become a little bit dated or faded, you know, within that time. But I think you now have to do it every 10 minutes. Mm. So how do you, how do you build around a kind of elastic and adaptive tech spine that allows you to not just have to throw bodies at the problem mm. and then have a talent agency that can source in an open source way the right technology and the right solutions for a client? Because otherwise, you're just asking your people to be a sales force for yeah. stuff that you bought and the stuff that you think can scale. Now, you might well have bought that because you think it was right for the client's interest, but by the time you bought something huge and sailed it and scaled it and brought it into your Borg, then is it as relevant as it was? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. It's one of the criticisms of of Adland, which is that we we, we get terribly excited about it. And you said it there, we, we spot some tech that we think is great or some company, um, and we, we buy that and we get terribly excited about it. And we try and, it's just collective, we're not picking anybody in particular. Um, and we, we we get very excited about it. And, and there's that thing about, you know, that saying, when all you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. So, you know, do you think the agencies in general are because I think we're, we're a little bit like magpies that we like shiny new things um, and we get very excited about it more so than we should. Do you think that back to your point about we, we possibly are trying to use the hammers that we have as tools far too often and whether maybe it's not right in every instance for every client but because it's new to us we tend to think it's it's the only thing that really matters. Do you, do you think agencies or am I, am I being unfair on agencies or do you think there is a little bit of that that goes on with them? I think that's probably a bit unfair because we get excited, don't we, about yeah. stuff. And that's what clients want us to see. They want us to get excited and we think it's an exciting space. And, you know, media should be the most exciting space, you know, that, that we work in. You know, it's everything from, you know, from Hollywood to the metaverse, you know. So it should be the most exciting space and therefore you want people to invent and come up with new things. I think where it goes wrong is, is go back to that point about supply and demand. If you're inventing things that aren't of any use, that aren't going to drive sales and grow your client's business, then what are you inventing it? for and there are they're not exclusive but there are kind of two kind of mindsets when you talk to people certainly in the kind of MA space and also in the kind of tool development technology space which is there's there's the kind of craft skills the people who you know when you meet them intuitively get what they're doing and they're doing it because they want to disrupt the space they've seen an opportunity and they're really passionate about what they can do because they can build a community or they can change the way we're working or they can entrepreneurially you know see a problem and they can address it and they can fix it and there's the kind of more mercenary financial mm. one, which is they think, they think they've spotted something that they can jump on or, or cruise on, the, uh, they could put a tax on a growth that they've seen and develop something for a short-term kind of gain for themselves, you know, the more kind of mercenary financial point of view. I'm not saying they're exclusive, but I think you can divine when you're looking at things that you're selling to clients and looking at stuff that you're developing is what does that, you know, what's the benefit of that? Mm. Why are you doing it? What problem does it solve? Is it going to drive sales? Is it going to create something new? Is it going to solve a problem um, or not? Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and look, technology and, and data is is really, really important. And I think, um, you know, everybody, it's not, it's not even the whole companies, new companies, everybody knows that um, we, I, I think, but not all data is equal. I think not all companies are equal. So, um, you know, y you guys are kind of big in tech and, um you know, new technologies and data, and data is at the heart of, of 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 what great media planning is all about. But what 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 would you say to companies, or what about those companies, CPG companies that don't actually own that final sale? So you know, beer companies, or even like Mondelez, where they're they're not really seeing 
uh, they don't have any real-time data in, in any kind of meaningful way in terms of how people are interacting with their brands because the final sale tends to come from, you know, the, the retailer. And in the beer's case, they're blind to, to who buys these things. So how important is data in that world? And how important is data when cookies are, if cookies are ever gone? Well, I'm not sure they will be gone at this stage. We keep dragging it out like the failed marriage, the last years of a failed marriage. So do you think... Double-headed question, how important is data for clients that don't have it, don't transact with consumers, and what's it look like, and what's your view on data in, in a cookie world? Um, it's important, I think, for everyone, because it's the glue that can kind of bind their business and change their business. Um, it, it, obviously, how a financial institution uses data is much more granular than how a CPG might use data. But if you want to know your customer and you want to adapt your products and you want to drive change, then yes, data, insight, segmentation are pretty key to all that, as you said. But what was relevant for all of them is also a kind of structural question, which is you might have all this data, but if you've still got a split between your sales people, your marketing people, and your technology and your IT people, mm. and you still 10 different people talking to Amazon and three different Salesforce accounts, you know, then how is that data actually changing anything or is it just a big soup that you're you're looking at? So it's more about how you use it. But yeah, of course, I mean, that at some point there'll be changes in how data is collected, how cookies are collected. Certainly if we look, you know, at decentralized world where we might have crowdsourced data and the whole world of measurement gets thrown up in the air, and the more you know about your customer, the more direct relationship you have with them, the more you know about what motivates them and how you adapt your products for them, then, yeah, the better. And that should then allow you to have more control over your business. I mean, I, I use it as a it's, – it's a kind of way of just saying control, isn't it, really? You know, you, the more first-party data you have, the more control you are of your business. And clients want to be in more control of their business because fundamentally they're not sure they trust the holding companies – to take it or the the vendors or the platforms mm. they're going to have to share it with them but that's why the rise of clean rooms and the rise of people controlling their own approach to things because mm. kind of think other holding companies doing it for their own benefit to sell their own stuff rather than for my benefit and yeah. trust you know if it comes back to they're doing it because they're not sure they trust and they need to be able to trust their data yeah and it's their data right i mean we can activate on it we can we can be maybe we can process it but it's it's their data and it's super important to them and not from their customer point of view they don't want that data misused for for other things so um like media's become media's really interesting and i've spoke spoke to you before and, I, and i've read some things you've written and like you're passionate about media I, and I, I agree i think media a lot of the fun went out of it um and that job changed quite a bit. So, but it, the, the the landscape has become quite fragmented. Now, there's a couple of things that look. Aiden, you know, agencies, the agency worlds. We've we've always wanted to kind of swim upstream because um, into the consultative space, and you know, that's really if you have a business where where you're involved in going into a client and, and advising them on strategy and letting them deploy that themselves in-house, it's kind of more, you need less bodies to do that um, if you're just at the, rather than being at the executional layer. So I understand why the agencies want to swim upstream. So I, I don't understand why any of the consultants want to swim downstream, if that makes sense. And you've seen someone like Deloitte Digital and even Accenture getting into talking, about making noise about getting into media. I, I I, am I missing something? What? Why are? Why is that attractive to them? Why would they want to be at the kind of the lower end? That why do they want to swim downstream? And um, 
you know, and is, there, is this anything new, by the way? Is is it kind of like because companies have been doing this for forever? Like media companies, you would know, in, in um, WPP, you would you would have been trying to swim upstream. So, why why does this attract them? The execution layer of campaigns and deployment of campaigns and media, and it just seems it's. I don't know if I'd want to swim that way if I was them. Um, well, I think probably a couple of things. One, because companies are still obsessed, even in this world, even to your point earlier about partial ownership, there's still an old mindset about monopolies and controlling the whole funnel and being in control of every aspect. Um, but also, I'm not sure if they do think this, but but my view is it's because nine times out of ten, the recommendations I see from consultants to clients are completely inactionable. Yeah. You know, so they don't know. They've never worked in activation. They don't know the space. Right. And so you see fantastically expensive and pointless documents of concentric circles and fuzzy lines and yeah. Um, diagrams that show how clients should look in a new world and what they should do and how they should take advantage of their digital transformation. And none of them can be actioned because they haven't actually understood how the marketplace works. So I think it's probably because they they do know that they need to get closer to how they can action it. Because rather than them being paid for a big project that they then pass on to the agency right. to and assume that therefore the agency makes lots of money out of those that activation, but then the agency has to completely rewrite because it's not usable. That they have to therefore get more into that business, right? And, and also, if you you know, fifty percent of our world is digital. Seventy percent will be digital soon. It's a five hundred fifty billion dollar business. You know, mm. you've got to assume that's right for disruption. Uh, you can talk to clients about new models. You don't now have to have, you know, in the old days, we had to have 120 offices around yeah. the world. So you don't now have to have that. You can do it all from homes. You know? So there's much, and, and, and how you work on platforms, it's not just really about activating space. It's about creating new revenue streams. It's about what, what your personality is, what your brand is, how you behave, uh, and where you go as a business. So I think, Picking those signals up, it's not just about I want to go and buy some right. social. Yeah, you know, I think it's more about understanding the market more. Yeah, and it sounds it sounds obvious when you say it now, because I but I I'd never thought about it that way. Like to to be in kind of. Um, consulting and diagnosis and sitting and kind of removed from reality in terms of how, how that looks in the real world and not being at the execution layer of it. If they are at that, it makes their it makes their consultation better if they know if they're closer to what that looks like in activation. So it makes total sense. Um, and it, also, if you're in the business of, if you really are truly in the business, which I'm not sure they are, I think they're in the business of slideware, but if you're truly in the business of transformation, then you have to get into the soup and that's about how technology yeah. and how systems and how things go to market. Because unless you know how they go to market, then you're not going to go back to the point about saying you've got five different Amazon people, your salespeople don't talk to your mm. market people, you know, your relationship with Google is kind of all over the place. So it's it's a fundamental structural change mm. that clients have to have. Otherwise it's just a cosmetic, I've done a digital transformation document, you know, look at me, aren't I clever? Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of clients a lot of clients are quite happy to pay for expensive um transformation projects or or, you know, buying I've seen in the last few years, you've seen it as well, buying expensive um, ad tech platforms from great salespeople in Adobe and wherever and then not 
not knowing what to do with it and not using it to any level of significance as well. So um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good salespeople around in, in the consultancy world. I'll give them that. Um, maybe I'm jealous. It, depends, it depends on the client as well. You know, are you are you in the assurance business and you just want somebody to come and assure you that actually it's all okay? Mm. You know, I'm going to be a CMO. And my average ten years is going to be 24 months. I want to create a little bit of stir, but not too much. And then I want to get my next job. You know, and I just want to survive. Or are you actually in the insights business and do you have the faith of the board and the backing of the board to really drive change? Because that's a longer term thing. Yeah, yeah, great point. Um, and just in terms of your group, are you in the in the consultancy space, or I know I know you're in the, the kind of traditional ad space and, and media company space, but are you in consultative space as well in terms of any areas in terms of um, brand or even um, data and technology? Yeah, I mean, the one thing we're not in is the traditional ad space. Actually, we wouldn't buy a traditional ad agency, and we don't see ourselves as an agency. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, we are we are in the consultancy space. There's Brantic Consulting. There are some great people there who do a lot of work upstream with clients. Um, so yeah, we do the whole thing from kind of soup to nuts, audience to audience to activation. And I think the key there, and I think that's the key to to a lot of the questions about how we work, which is that the future alchemy of our business is based around how you blend content, media, and resource management. Which involves all the skills, you know, from consultancy to content production, uh, to advice, to driving change, you know, right there through that duration. We kind of touched on this a second ago, or a second ago, ten minutes ago, and and I know you've spoken about it before, like. You know, media back in the day, media was um, you know it was it was full service was what clients were using. So creative and media worked hand in hand. Media departments were down in the basement in, of of the creative. They were kind of like <laughs> poor relations, but but they were connected, right? Media agencies obviously, and then it was an opportunity. Media got spun out, and I understand what what happened then was because when when there was a separation and, and a divorce of those things, the people who were best at making ads were usually not always the people, the groups who were best at getting the, mess, or the, the best media value, which it was in the day, or even understanding consumers in terms of how to connect them with, with, a, with a complex um, media ecosystem. So well, what that's actually led to is a, 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 the separation of media and creative is even though you, you have the best in, in both their classes in a lot of cases for clients but it's hard for them to work together I don't care what anyone says it's really hard for them to, to work together I've seen creative agencies filling a media plan that I've done so the media plan has been done first and the creative have kind of fit the plan with the creative and I hadn't known sometimes what they were doing and, and things like what if I'd have known that was a creative I wouldn't have suggested outdoor for example you know those things that happen and when you think about that's in the old world and when you think about digital it's a huge problem, the separation of creative and media. So, um, do you, like, do, do you think, I know you do think that that pulling those things back together, the synchronicity of those two things is really, really important, but um, are they connected properly, um, you know, in terms of digital creative? Are they going to be properly rejoined or is that kind of a pipe dream that, you know, there'll still be the big creative agencies and they're never going to go back into a full service model? But should they be more connected? And it, it, let's talk about your group. What are you doing to reconnect creative and media? And media and message, I think, is the best way I'll put it. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yes, they should. And I think that's why, and, and I think everyone really believes that in their heart, but structurally the whole coast can't now. You know, because as you say, the, the, the media groups, as they are currently function, you know, pay for the change still in the transformation of the agencies. The model hasn't that changed that much since the old full service days of, you know, media still paying for the creative. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now I think the media groups still pay for the transformation of the the holding companies and the structural change involved in changing that or what would be right for clients in terms of an integrated content media and resource approach you know based around a text line is too much for them to do 
I mean, it's it's absolutely central, and it, you can only really do it if you start again. You can't really do it with mm. a legacy. Yeah. And I think it's the biggest opportunity, and it's also the reason why <clears throat> the reason why we came, you know, to to, to David and to Brantek or you, and Mr. Jones, as it was. It's because, in my view, David is of all the. Uh, it's not, it's not, we're not a hulker, but of all those kind of big, big group chiefs, you know, it's pretty unique in the fact that he gets that. He gets yeah. this. He's personally passionate about it. He's an entrepreneur. He's, you know, he, he drives. Well, he's, he's single-handedly you know, with the group driving the metaverse strategy with mm. Jack and, and Brantic Consulting and the team. But um, because he gets how important media is, that media isn't just you know the Excel spreadsheet. That it can be the driving force of change and. By working with people that he's brought in, I mean, he's pretty saw just last week, Mark Darcy's joined us, you know, from Facebook and built a creative inside of Facebook. And the first conversation that Mark and I had was about how we're going to do this, mm. you know, how we creative and media back together. And then you bring in people like Will Luttrell, who's joined the group as well, who was the chief technology officer of Integral Ad Science, then he went to sort of Amino Pay, and he's looking at how we bring together, you know, the, the kind of content assets and creation of that, how that links to dynamic content, but also how it links to anthemic content, to your kind of purpose-led campaigns, yeah. how you measure and blend, you know, increasing kind of, you know, old-fashioned, some old-fashioned MMM brand right. metrics with dynamic, you know, outcome immediate metrics what that means for your content adaptation so you can give people more green sneakers if they want green sneakers but you can also give them long-form content if they want it then unless you have that group sitting together then it's never really going to work so yeah i think i think the people that we're bringing in the ambition of the group and the structures is is intent on all that and i mean the strategy is not hard and I always used to think that when we were working on the Nike Olympic campaigns, the World Cup campaigns, you, know, you sit in the room with RGA and Widens and uh, and, mm. and us media guys, and you'd just be locked in a room for the for the space of the World Cup or the the Olympics. And the the work that was produced, you know, both short form and long form, yeah. and messages and communications and tech and insights and adaptation for product, was pretty incredible and exciting. Yeah. yeah. How do you replicate that? You know, day in, day out, for all your clients, I think is the challenge. Mm. And you have to start by accepting that you need to put certain things, you know, back together, but back in a way that works for the 21st century. And we're not, we're not trying to recreate the full service agency. No, you know, it's content is now, you know, it's a different world, isn't it? Creators, our yeah. agencies, you know, esports is now sports. Alphabet's traditional media, you know, mm. you know, cloud is taking over from traditional tech so you know we have you have to adapt to that change uh and also i think it's interesting is a lot of clients come to us saying you know i want to create like a newsroom yeah how do i have like a newsroom you know and we've got we've had the analogy the, the analogies going on for years about you know how media people should be like journalists yeah. you know then they update, update the story but you know i think there's a lot of appetite for that and 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 putting all that together so yeah that's fundamentally central to what what we're trying to do and i think no, I would say this, wouldn't I? But uh, the huge potential of media is the media bookends that process. Mm. You know, we start because we understand the segment, the insights, the audience, what people are doing, how they're behaving. Because, you know, in my view, that sounds rather grand, but my view is everything's a medium. You know, so if you're mm. getting all data and you're looking at that and you've got that world view rather than the paid view, which I think is important, then then media starts the process. And then it, at, the, at the other end of the process, it activates. Mm. So if you can create that glue, that spine that then allows people to append the right messaging, whether it's anthemic or dynamic or the right technology and the right approach and the right geographical view and the right inventory feed, um, 
then you've got a system, I think, that's mm. different and that's compelling and, you know, becomes a bit more like the sales force of marketing, which we think we can be. Right. Yeah, interesting point. Um, like, I, I think at, at the moment, I think uh, as close as we we'll, we are to that point at the moment is um, clients, uh, speaking from, from our own, um, my own experience, some clients have the big, let's call, they're, they're, they're traditional established creative agencies, like the, 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 the boys who make, who are brilliant at, at, at that kind of narrative, that storytelling, that whatever you want to call it. It's usually a 60 second TV ad and it starts off with that anyway. You have those people and then we have quite a, a sophisticated product in terms of building um, decision engines and dynamic creative and even quite um, quite. It's sophisticated kind of uh, eye tracking technology. So, so there's kind of there's still two agencies, and um, the creative agency in the big thought, and then we're for for digital addressable media where where you can segment and you you can kind of use automation to to kind of put creative together. But we're doing a lot of creative in that space. But it's not like the big ideas. It's not the big idea thing. It's certainly in our in our country, you still have, we still have to work with the publicists or the Rothkos and, and those type of agents. They're still the, the brand guardians on creativity and ideation. Um but we're so do, do you think it's going to stay that way or do you do you think um how am I going to put or, or, and do you think creative agencies, those big creative agencies are kind of missing a trick? Because it, it's back to the point earlier on about creative about consultants not activating campaigns. If you're not activating campaigns, you're not at the sharp end of it. You don't know what's working. You can't automate, you can't deliver any real-time insight in terms of what's working. So the people best um place to to pl- deploy any kind of creative nuance in, in execution dynamically are the media people because we're buying it, we're looking at trading every day, we're looking at dashboards. Do you think the creative agencies are kind of Really being very vulnerable and leaving themselves surplus of requirements to a degree, or, or, and do you think they'll be happy to exist as we're the we're the kind of TV and outdoor and you know the the lookbook agency people? Then we hand it over. What's your thoughts on the, on that? Because that's the way the model kind of is at the moment. Um, what do you think the future is? Yeah, I, I, I think that um, there's a lot of. It's hard to generalise, isn't it? There are a lot of really smart, brilliant, creative people in those organisations, and a lot depends on what client you're working with. I mean, certainly the factory was built around production and longer-form content and getting stuff out the door and doing it at scale. And therefore, Mm. the craft skills that are needed for a new world and the investment into that is kind of difficult for people people to do. So I think unless you work with a kind of new model that is built around clients, that has got that automated spine, but then at the other end is a bit more bespoke in terms of how clients want that content development. And then you've got to have a brave client as well, you know, who's who's prepared to do something different. You know, a lot of the a lot of clients do still want cheap media. A lot of clients do still want a yeah. you know, Super Bowl. Yeah, so true. there's still a business. There's still a business there. It depends what's what you find personally satisfying. I mean, we, if you're running a company, you've got to always have the balance between what you what you what is personally motivating for the people that you work with, but also what's corporately right, you know, yeah. to grow the company, to make sure everyone's still employed and they're still got a business. So it depends what business you want to be in. There right. is still definitely, you know, people still buy catalogs. Catalog business is booming. You yeah. know? People still, there are still people who buy newspapers. You know? There yeah. are still people who watch cable TV. There is, there is still a business there if you want that to be your business. But if you want to change it, saying you're about creative transformation that's still doing spots, not fundamentally changing your organization to put, the media people, but mm. uh, but then again, it has to be a new form of media people. It can't be the media person just as Excel spreadsheets. It has to be the one that yeah. understands how to tell narratives on platforms, how to get creatives excited, how to talk about you know what should your strategy be for the metaverse. You know, then yeah. 
then I think there's a there's a kind of there's a kind of win there and, and a new definition of an art director copywriter that probably is some combination right. of, stu- of studio um, creation creator approaches with a new age planner who understands AI and technology and the platforms is yeah. where we go. Yeah, because like I mean. And when I think about it, when you think about the importance and where that money's going to go and, and the role for, let, let's kind of bluntly call it the big mass media TV ad. I mean, in time, that's going to be an easier thing to insource for a client than the execution, like the complicated deployment of and the shorter form content and the, the kind of, so you could nearly in-house that bit a little bit and get some good people and then leave the kind of, bring in the media expertise to understand platforms and that, that that's an easier thing. The, the, the big thought, I just think it's it's a, it's a kind of a, I know creative agencies say you're, you're completely doing us a disservice if they're listening, but you know, the, the more that's taken off their plate and the, the, the longer they're, they're they're not able to live in a dynamic and shorter form content world. I think the more vulnerable they are. But one of the things I want to ask you about because you're that, me. You're, sorry. Also, just to to that also I think is what the client mindset often that you talk to the more ambitious ones, the more progressive ones is because it, to come back to the data point, I, I think there's a logic that says, look, I, I kind of know I need to know more about my data. My data has to be under my control, and yeah. it, it, if yeah. I do that, then I might as well do my own segmentation. If I do my own segmentation and my own insights, then why don't I build a kind of studio myself and that's where yeah. you know a lot of what we do with oliver and and the clients that we do we've got over 300 in-house studios yeah for clients. But then then you go beyond that and say okay so i want to do that then actually i've got the data i've got the content why don't i just do my social why don't i yeah. just do my search yeah. it's a bit of a leap to then do programmatic but a lot of them then do programmatic and then they say okay right so i'm doing 70 percent myself what the hell do i need and yeah. They yeah yeah and, and you so, might you, you might need a bit of a bit of consultancy a bit of kind of but like yeah i mean and there's a certain business where I, they're 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 better off doing social in house. They're better off doing you know where where you, where you transact and it's so important to their business. Yeah, they're better off taking it in house. Um, or even well, I mean, I say in house, even Oliver model, which isn't it it on premises, but they're kind of embedded into the team. But it's not necessarily in house. You 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 don't have the full risk of hiring those people or running a separate kind of ad department you can kind of bring it. But they're in house. They're embedded into your team for all intents and purposes. They're in house. They they're effectively your people is what it feels like. Um, one of the things that came out of, uh, you know, an unintended consequence, if you will, of of our ability of, of tech and data was, um, and we talked, we touched on it there, like old media, new media, long, long-term brand building, the, the, the allure of um, short-term visibility and real-time metrics. As a media practitioner, somebody who, who kind of is passionate about media and all things media, what what's your view on that? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of work, um, a lot of established thinking in it. Where do you stand on long and short term, and are we are we going too short term obsessed, um, or are we not? Because that's the narrative is that we're kind of we're going too far on on short termism. Yeah, I think it's both. I think it's partly that symptom of separation of creative and media that that people do that, but um, and it's also I think the opportunity that we saw between the people who are obsessed about the platforms and the data and the performance and the people who understand are still clinging to a brand led traditional world that the blending of the two is what we have to do. I mean, mm. it, it's like most things in our business. You know, the debate about decentralization and centralization. The answer is probably a balance in of the two. The mm. trouble is why in you try and manage a company of 50, 100,000 people on nuance and balance, it becomes difficult. So people tend to swing one way or the other and inevitably it's a, it's a mistake. Yeah, and we and we like to think 
things are binary. There, it's A or B. It's you know, if it's that, then it can't be. It can't be the other. And yeah, you know, it's it's more often than not, it's a blend of different things. Nothing's hundred percent right or wrong. Um, when 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 you think about what's happening in the industry, um, and again, I keep saying this because no, I speak to people a lot, but I don't speak to a lot of media people. So people who kind of fundamentally kind of media practitioners are trained in media, and they're that passionate about media. So I I, I, I kind of said it a lot, and it's great. That's why it's great to talk to you. Um, but as somebody who understands, say, the craft of planning and what that means, it's not about spreadsheets. When programmatic came in, I think that the promise or the mistake, as as I saw, it, was was this um, notion that. Yeah, you know, you can get a golf fan on a golf page, but now you don't, because we use data, we, you don't have to worry about that. We'll get that person when he shows up and you can pick him up on a long tail um, of not on the golf, expensive golf site in, in premium content. You can pick him up anywhere else and you get him really cheap. Um, and we kind of, I'm slightly facetiously, we, we, we forgot about context. We said context doesn't matter because you can find the person wherever they are. And I saw too many I'm going to call them strategy presentations, which were which which of which there was no strategy involved in them. We it, it was it was targeting that was targeting, right? So we had great abilities and technical capabilities to target audiences, but targeting is a tactic. It's not a strategy. It's a tactic, and context became not important. Do you think that we, you know, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it? Do you think that we went a little bit too far um, in terms of our disregard for context and and the the, the promise of programmatic? Did we go too far in it as, as somebody who's kind of understands the craft of media planning? Um, yeah, but you always can be careful with these kind of debates. It sounds a bit Luddite ish, isn't it? If you, if you say you don't yeah. get the future and it's not 100% digital. I mean, um, look, I, I think understanding who your audience is, if you can pinpoint put it, pinpoint it the best, the more you learn about people, the better. But yeah, I, I think the sweet spot of the alchemy is some combination of content, context, deep kind of wall garden expertise and a kind of clean room approach to an open web. You know, how do you, how do you put those three together in a way that makes sense for clients with strategies who can tell a narrative, you mm. know, and aren't many of them that can. I mean, yeah. how many times, I mean, I, I find it soul destroying. Uh, well, I don't now, so I don't see them anymore because we don't, we don't do them, but I used to find it kind of soul destroying. The amount of presentations I saw that just had, you know, and this campaign is going to have three phases, yeah. you know, Excite, you know, tease, excite, reveal. Yeah, yeah. We've got a big flare. You know? And it's like, and this is the platform. And, and there's such a kind of formulaic, dull approach to a lot of how those things are put together that mm. you can see people say, well, that's like, let's bunk them. You know, I can actually go straight to my audience. So mm. I, I don't think it went over the top because it disrupted the business and it made it change. You know, you have to swing far right to drive change. But True. the balance of contextual and addressability is where we need to go. Mm. Yeah, I, I accept that. I think it's a fair point. Um, when you think about, and I don't know again what's happened, what's happened, but like my my sense is that advertising isn't uh, as important culturally or even in business as it used to. So I don't know whether that's because maybe when you look back at historically at the top. 20 advertisers, a lot of the, the people who rose to be MDs and CEOs of those companies were usually came from the, from the marketing department. Invariably, they, they'd marketing backgrounds. They were marketing-led companies. That's not the case anymore. Um, so do you think agencies still have those? Uh, so did, did in general, and then maybe in your own experience, do you think the agencies still have that seat at the top table? Because I've, I've seen a lot of companies where even structurally their board marketing doesn't sit at the, internally in their organization on that kind of top table. And then our relationships tend to be with CMOs at best, um, and and less and less about CEOs. Is, is that? Do you sense that's happened as well? Advertising has just 
you know, not been invited to the top table anymore. It's just not as important as it, as, as it used to be in business and culture. I mean, it's an interesting debate. I mean, what's fascinating is I don't see that at all you know, in Brand Tech Group. I think they're going and to, and I think a lot of that comes down to trust because we're not trying to sell them. Yeah. Something that we've happened to, uh, some tech that we've, over, we've overpaid for. So I think that's interesting. But <clears throat> I also think there's a fascinating kind of debate you can have on why is media so exciting and interesting to CEOs, but media agencies are not. Right. I mean, if you yeah, look, great point. Um, if you look at what, the luxury brands are doing in the metaverse. I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. that's market leading. And but also, if you look at what a lot of clients are doing, you know, Kraft Heinz, Pepsi, you know, whoever you want to look at in in, in the metaverse, then they're doing some interesting stuff and they're trialing it. It might not all work, but they're but they're driving it, not the agencies. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, that's coming from it's not even marketing to a degree. Yeah, that's a client doing some cool stuff in the metaverse, and the agencies coming in afterwards, maybe. Yeah, but that's the client driving yeah. media change and media experimentation and being the first to go on Roblox, not their agency. So why are, why are they doing it? But they, So why do they say they do that and they find media exciting, but they don't think they're media agencies? Now, either they've, through through whatever conspiracy, the agencies have, have pigeonholed themselves into a cheap media buying operation, or they not seem to be strategic enough because mm. they've given those assets elsewhere, or they don't have the right relationships because they've given those assets all up uh, to be centralized. But you know, whatever your diagnosis is, there are lots of different reasons for it, but um, it, it's a fundamental problem because media should be the most exciting thing and should be driving change. And what's interesting for us now with Brantec is that we do have those conversations with the CEO. We, do, we are advising sitting down with CEOs and saying, what should your strategy be? Should you do it? Should you not do it? Mm. Because we don't have any skin in the game because they know we're not trying to sell it. We just bring them smart people who are passionate about the subject, who are working in their interests, that if money comes, money comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, yeah. we're trying to tell them what's the right thing to do. Well, it's hard when, it's hard when, it, I'm, I, I'm not saying it's hard to be neutral when when you can you can make financial gains from from a client taking your advice, but it's hard for a client t to see how you might be neutral when you have, when what they might see, you, you, you've got a vested interest in it. So the fact you're not selling it obviously gives you that kind of, Safe security with clients that you are proper, properly neutral and impartial in this, and you're doing what's best for them as opposed to you know anything else. So, um, again, while we're just chatting about some of these unintended consequences, Byron Sharp, where do you say he's coming on? Well, he's coming on unless unless I say something in the next couple of weeks to annoy him. He's been a hard man to get. He's coming on the podcast a couple of weeks time. Um, you know, seminal. Some of the I think he 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 did a great service in marketing and in lots of cases. I think sometimes it, it's gone a little bit too far. I think some people misinterpret what he's saying. But where where do you stand on that? And I know I'm not sure if he said this or not. If he meant it, but the idea that oh segmentation's useless. You don't need to segment anybody. Just you know distinctive assets. Put out as many people as you can. Yeah, you know, which is fine if you've got loads of unlimited budget. It's fine. Where do you stand on some of the work he's done and what do you think he's done in marketing? And do you, do you, do you ascribe to the institute's thinking, or um, and if if so, how much so? Yeah, but it's, it's a bit like the argument between centralisation and decentralisation. You can have a classic kind of Oxford Union debate on you know on on brand metrics versus addressable metrics. I mean, it's it's inevitably a kind of balance. I mean, we always used to say that you know all we're about is fame and money because that's really if you boil it all down to that's really all brands want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you can have lots of diagnosis of what fame and money means. Um, and you have an interesting kind of, you know, a bit like that line in the leopard. Everything has to change. So everything stays the same. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have the debate about Amazon, how Amazon started and disrupted, and then got into physical assets. How everyone kind of starts there and ends up kind of 
balancing going back to physical stores in some way, shape, or form. But uh, and I think it's the same with what they're saying, which is that it's always a blend. You know, people will still watch the Super Bowl, but it doesn't mean seventy yeah. percent of the of the activity is going to be digital. And now, but I think what is also about that is what's in your client's best interest. It might not be just to do what Google and Meta tell you yeah. to do. Yeah. So you have to be able to, to to give you that balance of both. It's like we said before, you know, contextual walled garden, you know, and a, and a kind of open web approach. So it's it's all those things, you know. But I think I think you're right. The the kind of um, fanaticism about either one is probably wrong. Yeah, yeah, and I think it had like that. You made the point earlier on, like when things start going too far, that what tends to happen is there's an overcorrection um, and I think some, so a lot of stuff was taken far too literally I think a lot of people like a lot of people don't understand the nuance of what he's talking about so they kind of pick up bullet points maybe they've 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 kind of not even read the book they've kind of just taken a few key points out there's a couple of catchy little kind of you know target the market not target markets there's a few nice little things that gained a bit of traction and you take them literally it doesn't make any sense like and, and the point I, I've made is you, you don't you you can put ads on telly that does a job that targets lots of people because the message you're talking about appeals to everybody and at the same time you can spend lots of money finding your tribes and do, it doesn't have to be one doesn't have to be at the exclusion of the other and I think sometimes we want to we want it to be right or wrong or as Rory Sullivan says the opposite of a good idea can often be another good idea which kind of you know the whole to contradictory thoughts in your mind and and understand them and say there's kind of merit in both of them I think is, is quite often lost um, what do you think the future is for media agencies you're excited about media you're passionate about it and you think media excited and I think it is I think you make you make a really good point clients are really excited about media but less so about their media agencies what do you think the future is for media agencies particularly as things become more fragmented because there's one school of thought that says you know what, I, I can do Google and Facebook myself. And there's another school of thought that says as as the world becomes um, a, a world of lots of different unconnected wall gardens, that the ability to navigate that and to pull all things together, the agencies are best suited to do that. So in terms of media agencies, what's the future like for them? Is it, is it Does it look good or does it look bad in your opinion? Well, the future for my, my view is, is an anti-agency. I don't think there's an agency future as such but i think the idea of creating residencies for clients being in the business of constructing and scaffolding residencies for clients that give them you know so they never have to pitch again that show them what they should do with their data give them the right advice assembles and disassembles teams every quarter based on what their needs are because their needs in january are not the same as september and they yeah. shouldn't have to every three years just so they can change their aor and their team so i think you have to have inbred flexibility and adaptiveness to, to how you do that around a kind of text mine. You know, otherwise you're recreating the full service FTE problem. So I think that's how we see it. And it, we see it as a global talent agency built around a text mine. How how the agencies and the whole react, I think it's kind of fascinating. You know, it, it's, it's a, I love that kind of structural debate about what they do and what they don't do. I mean, mm-hmm. Persuasively argue that there will be no alcohols. You know, there'll just be a platform, activation platform, and a series of client teams. Mm. There won't for agencies, you know, anymore. Um, and then there are kind of fascinating hybrids. I mean, you look at what MediaLink have done. They're kind of interesting, aren't they? Because you know, they're they consultant, they're auditor, yeah. they're strategist, they get clients' data, they hold events. You know, they're, yeah. so they're everything. They're a kind of hybrid. Everyone has their opinion on that, but it's an interesting mix. And then you've got clients that are saying i don't need any of that if i have the data and i have the skill sets i can become publisher vendor manager platform 
myself. <clears throat> so I think the future, I think the only thread throughout all that probably is that media can be the glue. Yeah. But it has to be an adaptive glue that builds around clients. And that glue for certain clients will might be as simple as just go and buy me some space or give me a you know social expert. Mm. But the clients will be how do you construct my 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 whole clean room and dashboard and data and take it through to activation and how do I manage content? So you have to be able to do the two the two ends of that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting times. Um we we talked about the metaverse and I, I did one on the metaverse like in web three. Um, like it's nice and at the moment it's fine. I love the idea of a democratizing, rebuilding, build back better. I, I think literally the idea of, of a single metaverse is is not to be taken literally. But what are your thoughts on, like I think agencies, again, sometimes we don't do ourselves any justice. I've seen some groups, and no, Dentsu is not the group, but some agencies have a kind of chief metaverse officer and it's, it's there's a lot of gimmickry going on in this. And I think... Um, Obviously, there's a lot of people scrambling to kind of look like they're an authority in this quite nascent space. What do you? What's your thoughts on the metaverse? How important do you think it is? What like? Would you advise clients to start testing and doing things now, or would you say kind of settle down? Don't be rushing in and messing around with NFTs and stuff like that. Just let let the kind of see settle a little bit, or now or is now the time to get on board, start doing things. You know that term. I'm not sure I'm huge believer. Fail fast, but you know while while the the collateral damage or the consequences of of getting things wrong aren't so great, now's the time to be kind of learning and kind of figuring it out because it's quite early days what are your thoughts on it it's definitely the time to get involved how you get involved depends upon your brand and your personality and what your you know what your views are and what the right thing is organically for your your company but it will fundamentally transform our business you know so unless you are engaged in this unless you are passionate about it unless you understand it unless you're fully committed to it then i don't think you will have a business in Mm -hmm. five to ten years so i think it is that fundamental to how we approach things i mean i'm not I'm not averse to the chief metaverse officer thing because I think you have to create structural change. You have to call to it. You know, mm. I, I, I think as long as you you can adapt that and change that and look at that differently, I think that's fine. But I mean, we we have people like Jack Smythe and Natasha Wallace and then obviously Mark Darcy who joined last week. So yeah. we think people like that are the future, not necessarily I think because you know certain groups did just put an avatar in charge as a gimmick. You yeah, know? yeah. And I think that's that is a bit gimmicky and 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 almost kind of insulting to clients really. But um, I think. Yes, it is fundamentally important. It will change our business. It fundamentally makes media much more exciting, yeah. I think. But but you're right. There is a lot of skepticism. There's a lot of stuff being built without a great deal of community there. Until the communities are there, until that's driven, that's difficult. I think there's a lot of people trying to make money out of it. A lot of kind of you know elite minority investors trying to make money out of it, yeah. rather than necessarily you know a wider a wider um, recognition of investment by participation rather than investment because they've got money. But mm-hmm. I think it will fundamentally change what we do. So, yeah, get involved, play with it, look at it, learn about it, open a wallet, see what's going on, take some proper advice about what you actually do in it because yeah. you might actually do anything in the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but you do. And I, and I think to your point about CEOs and CMOs and boardroom time, but the boardroom want to know about this. CEOs yeah. want to know what they should be doing, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. Just kind of two final thoughts. I I, I know. I, well, I I know you're. We've already covered some of this, but I, I'll, I'll ask you anyway. Um, you know, in housing's been talked about for a long time. The agencies are terrified about in housing. Uh, so you know, as platforms grew and like 
you know, for business like Ryanair, for example, why why wouldn't you in-house a lot of your stuff because it makes sense? You still need agencies for for other things, but you know, you you in-house that because it's fundamental to your business. In-housing, in 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 kind of the way you talk about it, is is on-siting. On-siting is probably a better way of describing it. So, do you think in-housing is going to continue? Do you think clients will take in full on in take take in kind of the custodianship of of, of activations or? Or is the hybrid model a better way? You, you you provide kind of squads that sit in there, but they're not, they're maybe not on the client's payroll. They're they're kind of in-housed, but not fully in-housed. What, what, where do you stand on, on what the kind of the best model is for clients? What's your view? Yeah, I think it will continue. And I think it continues because clients <clears throat> know they have to take better control of what they do and they need to be quicker to market and it affects everything they do. Um, I think how you in-house content is different to how you in-house media. I think, it, and you need a more adaptive kind of resource model. And there'll be certain things you don't need to in-house, certainly on the more activation end, but the strategic dashboard, you know, uh, that kind of continuity end, I think you will. Mm. Um, so it's an old analogy, but but you know, if you think about the Dutch football team in the 1970s and they invented total football and the idea that you can be defence or offence depending upon the day and the match and the opposition, yeah. if players want to create that so they have that kind of adaptive structure, then agencies need to be part of their team. You know, now whether yeah. it's their people or our people, because it's much easier if it's our people. We can change them. We can stop them um, becoming less inspired or becoming, you know, uh, stale and not knowing what's in the marketplace and turn that kind of AOR market on its head. But if you're trying to create a newsroom, a studio, you know, a different way of working, then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think residencies, in-housing, working with clients in an adaptive kind of hybrid way is definitely the future, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that we've talked about today. Yeah, because the Oliver model is quite a smart model because for all intents and purposes, they're in-house, but they're but they're not, you know, because the problem with it, with being a client is it's hard to attract talent from into a, into what is, you know, quote-unquote agency people because the, the variety of, of agency world is what's attractive to them and, and working on one client all day, every day, you just become stale. So that model is is, is quite a, a smart model. Um, now, when we started in media, you and I started in media, um, it was a different job. Let's say uh, it has evolved. Not, not every job has evolved, but like the media industry has changed quite a lot. And I think um, even in terms of the composition of agencies, the people that made up agencies, the softer skills, I'd say, I, I just see from my side, are, are, are less plentiful in supply now at the moment. Um and technology has become really, really, really important. Now, I think we're in a, in a in a tough space where you've got kind of softer skilled people, and then you've got um, people who are kind of technically proficient, and 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 getting getting people who are comfortable in both is it's not that easy because we're we're still in relatively early days of that pro- that kind of landscape progression. Um, you know, but the art of we talked about the art of craft and the craft of planning and 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 strategy and what that means. Um, like. Uh, do you think the industry today it doesn't have as many mavericks or characters? And well, you could say, well, it's bec- it's become more professional. I'm not sure, but there's definitely it, it it's lost a bit of its kind of character even within the agencies. I don't see as many mavericks or characters. And as an industry, I think we should be challenging. There should be mavericks in the industry because we should want to disrupt things. We should want to think a different way. And I just I, I just see a lot of that maybe kind of slowly coming out of the agencies. But thinking about the career, um, you, you know what it is today. You think about what what a media person's job is, or somebody in marketing or advertising. Do you still think it's an exciting career for people? And would you, if you were talking to graduates or people you knew, would you advise people to get into this career? Because a lot of students listen to this podcast as well. And, um, you know, are you excited about the future or is it becoming a bit boring? 
Yeah, though I am. Otherwise, I'd be sitting in the garden looking at roses or something. Uh, yeah. Spending, yeah, spending your fortunes, sailing around the world. <laughs> if only. Um, but I think the um, yeah. But I, but I look at Brunswick Group. I mean, a bit of an ad for that. I mean, there are eighteen partners there. All of them are characters. All of them are trying to change things. All of them are entrepreneurs. All of them are founders. Yeah. So, so I don't think it's true to say that there are characters and there are people who are interesting and driving change. You know, but um, the it is a fundamentally exciting business to be in because as i said as you said at the beginning media is everything from marvel to the metaverse so if you want to get in the business whether it's measurement whether it's creation whether it's you know getting involved in streaming esports gaming creating avatars measuring it all delivering it all the science and technology of activation then there's a job for you there there's a yeah. universe of jobs for you there so uh you know whether you're, i don't like the polarities of our business but you know if you're a mathematician or an artist there's a way to there's a way to be fulfilled in what we do and if that's not fulfilling then yeah go and open a bakery but there there, there should definitely be something exciting there and i think if you go back to when we started i mean probably when i started the most creative thing i could do i think the first year or doing the job we managed to turn you know warren street tube station into a rabbit warren for Duracell. You know, that was the <laughs> yeah. kind of thing we were doing, you know, and 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 buying lots of colour space and wraparounds in newspapers. Yeah. So, I mean, look at what you can do now. I mean, the briefs we get now are what kind of avatar should I create and what should it do? What should my representation of my brand be in the metaverse? I yeah. mean, that if that doesn't excite you, then it's yeah, not for you then there's the industry's not for you yeah. yeah no true okay well listen Nick thank you so much I really enjoyed that I felt we could have had longer chats about more things but I'm conscious you're a busy man so and I'm conscious that you're not feeling great as well so thanks for um, thanks for taking the time to join me today uh, I really enjoyed it and best yeah, of so luck with everything um, yeah best fun. of luck best of luck with with, um, with, with the Brand Tech Group and everything and I uh, hope you wish you every success in the future obviously not not if we go to head to head and pitches against Densu. Obviously, <laughs> a success against everybody else except us. But like that'll do. That's as good as you'll get for the moment. But thanks a million for joining me. That's brilliant. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for your time. I really enjoyed it. Good okay, luck. Okay, great. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Nick. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So that's it. That's all she wrote. We're out of time again. I want to say big thanks, Nick, for joining me today because I know you're an incredibly busy man. So thanks a million. And thanks, as always, to our partners in the Irish Times Media Solutions. And thanks to Andrea on Sound and Kira in Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, why not recommend it to a friend or why not listen back to some of our ever-growing back catalogue? You'll find them by simply typing Irish Times Inside Marketing into your search engine of choice. So until next time, stay safe. Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions.